Internet of Things is causing the Internet of Cash to be viciously important. And so we're really looking at the problems that exist today, not the problems that existed 10 years ago. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris D'Antuano with Currency Cloud. And today I'm happy to have the founder and CEO of MobileCash, Eric Solis. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Chris. It's uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. It's really good to have you on, especially within this landscape of the U.S. and the Challenger Bank model. We're excited to to have you on and talk about your journey and what brought you to to Movo Cash and, and bring it to market. But instead of me explaining your background, I'll put it in your hands. And if you can give a quick background of of yourself and what brought you to to start up Movo Cash within within the market here in the U.S. So, you know, I'm, I'm a fintech junkie. You know, I, I've been in the fintech space now. Gosh, I did my first startup in 1998-99, and then I did it again in 2005, and this was coming out of the brokerage industry where I was a registered investment advisor. So I'm pretty much kind of like all things tech where, you know, financial services are concerned. I mean, that's just been, you know, my bellywick. And then recognizing, you know, my own, out of my own life, just, you know, a need to have money move a lot faster than it was, than it, than it did. You know, I was looking at the way that I'd built in the past, I had built systems that were designed to basically allow the unbanked, you know, disenfranchised mass consumer to be able to access financial services. And so I took a lot of those tenants that I had extrapolated from those previous startups and applied some of those learning to payments and voila, we have mobile cash. It's really exciting, especially when you start out before fintech's even a word. So you've seen the, the journey from 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 the beginning and and seeing that expand within the market and now the obviously the the punch word of, of fintech kind of is 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 dropped within every industry at this point. So it'll be good to 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 dive in Movo Cash itself. If you can give our listeners you know, the, the, the value point that you're bringing to market from, from your side of things? So we think of ourselves as a digital cash network. And what does that mean? It really means, you know, finally accomplishing what has been um, thought about and talked about for many years now. And the way we did it was to take a form factor that everybody understands, that being a 16-digit card number. You know, we don't have to teach everybody how to use Bitcoin or Ethereum or, you know, some sort of newfangled way to think about um, payments, but just a good old fashioned 16 digit card number. But what we did was we turned it into digital cash that essentially can be sent to family and friends. It can be spent in anywhere that a Visa or MasterCard is accepted. It's a guaranteed source of payment, both as to the consumer and the merchant. It's understood the frame of reference is very solid. My 11-year-old daughter knows how to use a 16-digit card number. And so the minute that we were able to break it out of its model of being, you know, just sort of like a piece of plastic in your pocket or coming through the mail or hanging on a rack on a J-hook in Walmart, 
minute we got out of that, you know, sort of like quagmire, uh, it revolutionized basically uh, the, you know, the what we think now is fast becoming the internet of cash. It's really interesting, you know, how you break it down specifically to, I guess, what we're trying to tie it into as a as a as a brand uh, globally of different ways to to move money. Whereas, and you're really just at the end of the day simplifying um, something that already exists, right? And it's not really trying to break down and, and break down the barriers of uh, this, uh, you know, innovative types of solutions. Whereas, you know, you're virtualizing that that 16 digit code. Whereas, you know, traditionally you're carrying around in that in your pocket, as you mentioned. So as far as that, that adoption, you know, what are you guys seeing as far as the adoption of that? And, and you know, how do you go about scaling that adoption as it seems to, to, to increase over time? So the way I think about it is there's a difference between, let's call it innovation and disruption. I think that we're highly innovative. I don't know that we're disruptive because I don't, I don't know that financial services is, and I'm going to go against what everybody you know, thinks today, but that's all right. You know, I, I really see us as, and, and we all ought to be thinking about enabling. I don't really want to destroy every, you know, legacy or incumbent bank. That What good would that do? It's really about making the experience much better, innovating and helping them see some things that they haven't seen, figuring out a better mousetrap that everybody wants to use, right? And, you know, and fixing a lot of problems along the way, you know, and we think that, you know, and by the way, uh, our solution is patented. And so the way we sort of think about it is, you know, we want to be, we want to enable the world and we can't wait to see everybody doing what we do. We don't, we don't view that as a negative. We view that as a huge positive. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but, you know, again, it's all about if you, if you solve real problems to real pain points, you know, this isn't, you hear a lot about, you know, a solution looking for a problem. You know, that's not the case here. We have real problems. There's billions of people that are disenfranchised from being able to access financial services. There's real fraud that has become rampant in the financial systems because we have a new world that didn't exist. I'll give you an example. You know, how many card on file do you have? How many merchants hold your card numbers? How many subscriptions do you hold? How many um, like Lyft and Uber and Netflix and soon your refrigerator is going to want your, a card on file to be able to order your milk? I mean, the internet of things is causing the internet of cash to be viciously important. And so we're really looking at the problems that exist today, not the problems that existed 10 years ago. And we're solving those problems in real time with, what, with real time money. That is, again, within the frame of reference that everybody understands, which is a 16-digit card number. And, and within that, so I guess traditionally, um, you know, especially here in the U.S., it, it, it's always been run by the banks. And, and, and within this type of model, um, obviously, you're, you use either an issuer or a, a sponsor bank to, to back that up. But I think, you know, and you've been in it quite some time, just that to be able to build upon, I guess, what those banks are offering in, in that, that charter or that sponsorship, but, but allowing, you know, someone like yourself, a program to be able to run, run essentially like, like its own bank. So it's, it's you know, holding, you know, those customers funds, bringing them in and, and, and gaining that trust and having that partnership with the bank. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, the entry into the market using, 
using a, a sponsor bank and, and having, you know, that flexibility to be able to be that, that tech stack to be able to, you know, act, I guess you will, as, as that banking provider, but, um, you know, having that partnership with the bank in, in the background. So, you know, banks are becoming more and more, on one hand, willing, on the other hand, protective. You know, the risks are getting greater. It, the, the financial systems are getting more complicated. There are more ways for people to run afoul of the rules and regulations. And again, back to sort of my previous comment, I um, approached getting my bank, which is Metropolitan Commercial Bank, you know, I approached them, the first words out of my mouth is, you know, I want to follow the rules and regulations. You know, I mean, I, I think that, again, disrupting the financial systems, and, and, and a lot of people have talked about this in the past, where like, you know, they didn't think they needed to worry about the rules and regulations anymore. Well, you know, sorry, you do. You need to worry about it. And, and, it, and they're there for a reason. And I am not one of these guys that, you know, sort of like want to, you know, completely annihilate traditional banking. I, I think there's a, there's a place for it. There's, I mean, there is a, a let, me, let me say it differently than that. There's an absolute requirement for parental supervision. And that's what rules and regulations are designed to do is to, to keep, you know, the players in the industry and the entire ecosystem safe. I, I think that regulation can become highly problematic when it runs afoul and, and gets out of control. And, you know, we do need to be thoughtful about deregulation and making sure that we're not burdening financial systems to the point where the bar gets so high that we essentially make it impossible to reach those that need financial services and financial solutions most. So we've got to find that balance between enough regulation to keep the systems in the world safe and not so much that we end up creating more of a problem than a solution. Yeah, I mean you hit it hit it right on the head there. I mean you're 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 solving real real world problems and real life problems that maybe traditionally that these banking providers may not be focused on. Um obviously there are those rules and regulations that are are necessity for, for positive movement in the market itself. Um, so for, for your program specifically, you know, what types of problems uh, were you solving or are you solving, let's say, to the end consumer that the traditional banking providers weren't able to assist with or directly, I guess, fix uh, for their end consumers? So the way there, there would basically maybe be two things I'd focus in on. Number one, creating a digital cash system that has guaranteed payments built into it. So for example, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, RPX, even, even Venmo, and, and you could even argue PayPal um, to some degree, you know, there's not, a, there's not a guarantee of payment. So we, through our relationship with the Visa network, and it could be a MasterCard network, but the point being that when you partner with these brands, they then, step in and provide a guarantee as to both the consumer and the merchant. And then if you, with the way we thought about it was to have every single holder of this digital cash do so in an FDIC insured environment. And that comes through MCB, which is a member of FDIC. So we piggyback on, on that relationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. It's a guarantee of payment, both as to consumer and merchant. That's a big deal. 
People say, well, how are you different than PayPal? I say, well, go down to In-N-Out Burger right now and walk in and say, I want to use my PayPal account to buy a hamburger. They're going to look at you cross-eyed. Then walk in with MovoCash and, and see if they don't accept your Visa card without even asking any questions about what kind of unique difference you deliver to the table. So, so the idea of getting money off the ledger, we have interoperability technology, for example, we call it MovoChain. And we allow people to convert Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum in real time in partnership with BitPay. They handle all the back end, you know, on that on the crypto side. But what we've built is a system that allows then that money to be handled in a peer-to-peer environment with the values liquidated off Bitcoin, off Bitcoin Cash, off Ethereum, turned back into fiat currency. And I can send you $100 right now using that system. You don't need to care whether you, you don't need to know how to, what Bitcoin is or how to use it. You don't need to know what Movo is or how to use it. All you need to know is how to use a 16-digit card number because when you claim it, that's what it's going to be sitting on. It's a 16-digit card number that's accessible around the world in 200 currencies worldwide. So it's the fungibility of the digital currency, getting it off the ledger and into goods and services. Okay, And then the guarantee of the payment critical and the guarantee of the money while it's in movement that being through fdic insurance and then the final thing would be that creating denominations being able to print essentially cash right from your mobile device and denominations you choose so let's say you're going to go online and we all know that the people are you know unfortunately merchants themselves a third of all fraud comes right from merchants themselves so you could give somebody you think you can trust a merchant with 16 digit card number not so so what we do is we allow you to spin up a card that is worth exactly the amount of money you're going to spend online so if you're going to buy probiotics from russia for 34 dollars and 25 cents don't give them your primary account number spin up the unique card number that's only worth the amount that you're going to spend enter the 16 digit card number enter the expiry date and the cbv hit the enter button, they're going to get paid, you're going to get your probiotics, but your card numbers are safe. So those are the value propositions that we deliver to uh, our end users. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. And it seems like, you know, just putting on your founder hat, uh, for example, it's it's really taking advantage of a lot of, I guess, systems and, and opportunities and products that existed. And you've sort of just built off of those and then obviously created your own unique optimization off of that. Could you talk about, I guess, what, I guess, what, was it, was it more gradual or was just you knowing the products out in the market that existed over time and started to build, you know, build the thoughts of, you know, spinning this together? Because it, it seems like, you know, there, there is a lot of existing products that you built on and then you, you've used those to your advantage to create, um, obviously, this unique, this unique product itself. So quick, quick founder story, right? So you know, and I'm going to make this quick, but so when I started out at the, when I was 13 years old, don't worry. Um, but when I was 13 <laughs> years old, 12, 13, I, wo- I walked into the house one day after coming home from school and I found my mother who was a single mom of three curled up in a little ball. She was, you know, in the fetal position in her closet crying and she just bawling her eyes out. She couldn't pay the bills. She didn't have any money. You know, she didn't know how to feed us kids. My dad was gone. And I got down on the floor and, you know, and she just was saying, I want to, she didn't want to live anymore, you know, and I got down as a little boy and I cried with her, you know, and it makes me want to cry even today. And I remember that day. And it was that day that I decided that I was going to fix the problem. I didn't know what the problem was. I was only 12, 13 years old. I just knew there was one. And so, you know, one day I was 
I, I actually started reading the Wall Street Journal very shortly thereafter. When I was 22 years old, I got the, the Series 7 books. I taught myself from day one how, everything you needed to know to pass the Series 7 exam. Self-taught. And I went in and I got a job being a broker. And one day when I was about 30 years old, I was making, you know, I was making, you know, boatloads of money living in a beautiful home with a par three golf hole in the backyard. And I was flying over the Grand Canyon one day and I remembered my mom and I remembered why I had done it all. And all I had really done with all that I had built was help, you know, with nothing wrong with being rich. It's great. But I was helping rich people get richer and I set out to help create solutions that were for people that needed them most, like my mom did. Mm-hmm. And so I, my first startup, that was the driver behind it. They, you know, the company I started up called Save Daily. And then with Movo, it was, I realized in my savings launches that, you know, you've got to help people with the way they spend their money. And so that's where Movo comes from. It comes from a deep-seated desire to see people healthy and wealthy and thriving and living a life worth living. I want to leave the world a better place. That's yeah, it. it's really moving stuff right there. And, and, and I think you hit it on the head throughout the whole conversation here uh, is that it's about really solving the problem. And, and you know, when you work with the underbanked, it's, it's getting to the source of maybe why, right? And, and then, you know, introducing yeah. opportunities for them to be able to scale and be able to build upon wealth and, and be able to get to that level and opportunity. Uh, and I think is the word that to, to really focus on is just to provide them the opportunity in that sense. And it seems like you're, you know, you're, you're, you've already done that successfully. And it's really exciting to see, you know, I, I, you know that, that mission in here, the core value of it, because I think that's uh, genuinely an area that needs to be, be looked at a lot more globally, not, not even here in the U.S. Well, Eric, it was, it was no, really a pleasure you. to have you on here. You know, really exciting for our listeners to get, uh, to get notice of, of what you're doing. And it's really Exciting to see the strides that you've made from from your core. For for interested parties that are, are interested maybe in partnering up with you, what's the best way to get in t- contact with yourself or your team um, at Movo Cash? Yeah, so thank you for the opportunity to for and for asking. So, gosh, they can send an email directly to me at Eric at Movo Cash. That's E R I C at Movo Cash. You know, we're always looking for uh, people to partner with smart people that have really creative and good ideas. Uh, as we end every meeting, we say, let's Movo. And I would say that to the entire listening base. Let's Movo. Awesome. Well, Eric, pleasure to have you on today. And uh, like I said, um, really good information for our listeners today. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at CurrencyCloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.